podcasts are a fascinating way of engaging in conversation. Podcast. Podcast. A podcast. 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 My podcast. Podcasts. Like podcasts. 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 I'm Olivia, and this is my master's thesis, but it's a podcast about podcasts. I'm interested in learning more about some of the ideas and characteristics that shape and define podcasting. So I spoke with a number of creators and listeners to try to better understand certain concepts. But you already knew that. If you didn't, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert. This episode pulls from and reflects on all my previous episodes. Because this is my last official episode of the project. At the end, I'm going to mention an idea for a future episode involving you. But this is the last one I'm putting out before my actual defense. Ah! So I've structured this episode into endnotes. The first few endnotes are additional thoughts that I wanted to squeeze in. The last few pull from the interviews. One includes and ties together everyone's responses to how podcasts serve to make ourselves feel oriented. And another identifies a theme that I think has been present throughout a lot of our conversations, but one that I had not thought about before this project. Okay, let's go. Wow, I'm going off book. I barely have a book and I'm already going off book. Endnote one. This has to do with the framing of podcasting as a democratic medium without gatekeepers. In the first episode, we mentioned how that's not entirely true, but it's still a framing that is prevalent in people's minds. So because podcasting is thought to be open and accessible to almost everyone and anyone, there's a conception that you don't necessarily have to quote-unquote earn your spot in the same way you might have to on other mediums or platforms. You claim the space on the platform, and then it's yours. The end. This is a total oversimplification, but you know what I mean. It's that idea that anyone can and everyone does, have a podcast. But there's something that Vicky Mochama, podcaster and co-founder of Vocal Fry Studios, said at a Canadian Journalism Foundation event on podcasting that led me to think about the idea of earning a little differently. Vicky was talking about how podcasters should be really grateful to their listeners. I took notes on this conversation, so I believe she said it was, quote, an incredible act of humanity quote, for your audience to give you so much of their time and that they quote, deserve our admiration. End quote. This is actually not a sentiment I've heard much in the broader podcast culture or discourse. Individual shows definitely thank their listeners, but broadly, a lot more focus and importance is placed on the creator as opposed to the listener. And this is part of what this project is trying to counter by prioritizing the perspectives of listeners and saying that they are a part of what makes podcasting possible. But back to the idea of earning. So a creator may not have to earn their space on the podcast platform in the conventional sense, but a creator has to earn their spot in the lives of their listeners. And because there's no one way of doing podcasting, this will look different for every creator and show. And I think because this is a subtle earning, some people may not realize that they have to work to earn the respect of their listeners, starting by keeping them in mind as you make your podcast. 
And there's definitely a difference between someone who's learning and making something that they want to make in the hopes that people who like that thing too will find their show and listen in, and people who don't acknowledge the importance of listeners and, how do I put this lightly, use their podcast as a vehicle for their own narcissism and don't care about the listening experience. Oops, that wasn't very light. Should I take that out? So then, with this sense of the delayed earning, it's almost like the quote-unquote gatekeepers of the medium are the listeners, which is kind of cool. And maybe one of the ways in which podcasting is actually kind of democratic. But again, there are so many ways in which it's not. And we've talked about that. I don't have to tell you twice. Endnote two. So I want to talk a bit about academia and podcasting. One of the things that I've learned while doing a podcast that tries to be academic and accessible is the extent to which podcasting and academia are almost diametrically opposed, at least in terms of the way they disseminate knowledge. Let me oversimplify. Academia is known for having more formal, methodical, and or complex modes of communication. And sometimes these modes make knowledge more difficult to decipher. And also, it can be difficult to learn how to communicate in this way, since it's very different from day-to-day oral communication sometimes. To provide an extreme example, the ideas within the texts of Jacques Derrida are very interesting, but the way in which he delivers them can be so meandering and convoluted that it feels as though he wasn't thinking about the reader at all. Sometimes deciphering it is half the fun, but it can also be supremely frustrating. Also, It can be difficult to literally access academic knowledge if you're outside of a university. In terms of academic journals, paywalls, and syllabi not being widely available. But podcasting almost requires accessibility in all of these areas. People need to be able to access podcasts and listen easily. Content needs to be understandable to almost everyone since, in theory, anyone could access it. And people are able to learn how to make a podcast without formalized training because there's no one way of doing it. So, in creating a podcast for my master's thesis, I often felt these tensions. I had to unlearn some of my academic tendencies, especially when writing a script. In episode three, Pippa said that in audio, you have to write for the ear. And I've also heard Hannah refer to it as writing out loud. This may seem like a relatively easy transition to make, but it's actually hard, and I had to learn how to do it outside of school. These foundational differences do bring up interesting questions of how we might combine academia and podcasting, but it also draws attention to how academia is not necessarily set up to support or encourage other modes of communication. So I think as we start to see academia be like, oh, cool! Podcasting! By having researchers regularly bake podcasts, professors assigning podcasts as readings, and allowing students to do podcasts as assignments, etc. Instead of just being like, nice, they're incorporating podcasting. We should remember that one of the reasons that that's happening is because podcasting has become mainstream and acknowledged by capitalism. And also that because academia is a colonial institution, it is mostly excluded 
oral forms of knowledge and different ways of knowing since its inception. As academia starts to make room and allow for podcasting, is it going to make way for other modes of communication? Is it going to acknowledge that it has had opportunities to do so and has not? And is academia going to create structures that support podcasting so students don't have to just figure it all out by themselves? And also so that professors know how difficult it is and can adapt their classrooms to make room for another mode of knowledge dissemination. A lot of people still think podcasting is easy. But as my friend Amina Ali has said, podcasting is like ballet. It's supposed to look easy, but there's so much technical work and training that goes into making it seem that way. So it will be interesting to see how the relationship between podcasting and academia develops. And don't get me wrong, I think that podcasting is an amazing tool, and it could be used to start to make academic knowledge more accessible. But I think there are a lot of considerations that should go into the process of approaching and incorporating it in this context. Endnote 3. This is something I started to think about after episode 6, when Diana Gill talked about some of the linguistic effects of podcast listening. Specifically, how people who are young and in their formative years are more likely to absorb podcast speech patterns, because they are still in the process of forming their own speech patterns. So, as I've mentioned, the listeners I spoke with were from my Toronto circles, and as a result, my listener panels skewed relatively young, specifically between the ages of 20 to 26, though a number of our experiences with podcasts were pretty different We are all students, recent graduates, and or young professionals. So we've all been interacting with podcasts throughout our formative years, which in turn shapes our perceptions of podcasting and how we interact with it. This is a lens that's different from most of the literature I read, either written by tenured academics or people who came to podcasting a bit later in their lives. Though I didn't set out for this project to have this lens, it's really interesting to me, and it makes me wonder how podcasts could shape the lives of people who grow up with them. I started listening to podcasts when I was 16, and they became a central part of my life two years after that. But what about people who start when they're 13? Or people who start when they're five? We heard how Nanaba puts story pirates on for her young kids every week. And there's a podcast called Courier's Call that I really love that's in the Skyjacks universe that is an all-ages podcast, so parents and their children are listening to it at the same time. If we incorporate all of the themes we've explored, the purposes that podcasts serve, that they can be grounding, that podcasts can make people feel like they belong and they're not alone, what could that do to a generation? Will podcasts help younger people feel more oriented in their identities and positioning, as we've seen with some of the people I talked with? And myself. And I'm interested not only in seeing how podcasts can continue to shape individual lives, but how podcasting will continue to shape cultures. Is it going to fundamentally shape the way people learn? Does podcasting help to teach patience and a willingness to listen because you can't immediately respond? What about empathy? Does it shape how we relate to other people? I'm excited. Listen.
I'm excited. Podcasting has already had big implications, but I can only imagine that once it has been embedded in everyday lives for longer, and perhaps to a greater extent, what its effect will be. I don't, I can't wait! Endnote 4. Orienting. 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 I think you're very familiar with this line of questioning now, but I will reiterate it just in case. So, at the end of each interview, I asked everyone I was speaking with how they would interpret Jonah Weiner's quote, Published in Slate in 2014, I don't know what the title is, but the subheading is towards a critical theory of podcasting. How podcasts serve to make ourselves feel oriented. So, now we have ten different interpretations of that quote. From five podcast creators, James D'Amato, Hannah Sung, Pippa Johnstone, Justin McElroy, and Anaba Duncan, and five listeners. Deepa Venkatesan, Caitlin Simpson, Dustin Christofiak, Diana Gilhamel, and Bennett Steinberg. Everyone said something that was a little different, but I also noticed a few recurring strands that tie together everyone's responses. One of the biggest strands I noticed was how a number of responses seem to be tied to conceptions of self, suggesting that podcasts can help you to construct and or feel more solid in your own identity. There is out there somewhere on the vast spools of podcast feed, there is a podcast that feels so perfectly and intimately designed for you and just you that listening to it for the first time will be like falling in love. Podcasts are a type of entertainment that are really based around individual experience and individual choice. You opt into them and, you know, sometimes they are precious and secret things that you don't talk to other people about. It's like a fun house mirror of different reflections of your soul. You orient yourself by going out and finding the stories that are built just for you. They do orient me, though, of that's McElroy speak is what I just did. That's how my brain thinks now of that is how Justin McElroy would respond to that quote. And I've realized that like that kind of stuff is so tied to my friend group that it does orient me, I guess, in the way that like hanging out with the McElroys feels like hanging out with our group of friends. The people who do it and, and the the things that they talk about, but also what podcasts are, have served very much as, as a call to action in a lot of ways and kind of a, an orienting, like providing a direction towards which I can look and and kind of angle myself as I try to develop myself and, and grow and live. Sometimes it's in very like explicit ways contained within the podcast and, and sometimes it's in kind of implicit ways. Podcasts make me feel they make me feel like who I am is okay like everything that I am is fine and that I don't need to change anything I feel normal with podcasts another strand had more to do with podcasts facilitating a better understanding of the world and as a result your positioning in it whether that's in relation to stories and perspectives that are similar to or different from your own. I think to be oriented is to be given kind of advice and direction. When you're inhabiting someone else's life, much like when you're reading a novel, say, like you can see your position a little more clearly almost, like by seeing 
either how how much you have in common or how much you don't, like orienting yourself in the world through the very specific details of someone else in the world's story. Okay, so in a weird way, the orientation for me is very historical. My earliest memory of life is that of having this tiny radio in the corner of our house. A lot of my understanding of the world came from something that was in a box and that made the sound. So for me, uh, when I listen to podcasts, it takes me back to my childhood. It makes me feel like um, home. It orients me in, in how small I feel. In a ver- and that's really comforting, too. I just feel like to know that there's like these these vast voices out there with all these different opinions and experiences and stories to tell that I can just like tap into at any time. It makes me feel connected to, I guess, all these communities and all these different like little uh, pockets of culture that I wouldn't normally have access to. It makes me feel more connected, but also really humble, I guess. Bennett and Pippa also use the word direction. Direction. In a directional way. Suggesting that podcasts not only inform how you perceive where you are in the world, but also how you navigate it. Another strand focused more on how podcasts can help to facilitate a mental orientation and grounding, almost similar to meditation. I think that what podcasts can do is that sort of orientation for your mental state to give you like a a place to sort of start from or to level out with to like know that like you know what my brain is running a mile a minute i'm going in a billion different directions if i listen to this this will be one track that i'll be on it's very much a sort of opportunity to center myself and just by revisiting voices that i know well in situations that I've heard before, especially as, as a big re-listener, it is comforting for me and allows me to have that like touchstone that I can have any time, like any time I feel like I need it because I know what it is and I can always listen to it and it makes me feel better. And it, it's something that is consistent and constant and always available to me. I mean, the grounding really resonates with me, right? Like, I went through a large, the majority of my podcast listening life has been done where I listen every day for hours at a time. They bring me peace, man. If I had answered this question at the beginning of this project, that answer would sound a lot different from the one I'd give now. I almost don't know how I individually conceptualize the quote anymore. I've just absorbed everyone else's interpretations because they all really resonate with me. I think my initial interpretation, before I heard everyone else's, aligned with the first strand. Podcasts make me feel more rooted and solid in my individual self. They provide me with this warm feeling that out there in the world, there are so many people running around living their lives who are just like me in a number of ways. I think that's why the idea of community in podcasting was something I automatically incorporated into my project questions. I always already conceived of podcasting as an imagined community. I knew that there were a bunch of people listening to the shows that I loved, and even though I didn't and couldn't access or know all of them, it made me so happy knowing that they were there somewhere. But now, 
My conception of the Orient quote encompasses other things as well. Like Diana Gill and Justin, podcasts can facilitate a sort of mental grounding for me. But not just on a moment-to-moment basis, they've provided me with a form of long-term grounding as well. You know when you're binging a series or reading a book or a series of books, it becomes a central part of your life for a chunk of time. And it may continue to shape your life past your direct engagement with it, but at one point, the story or piece of media itself ends. Even when you're watching a TV series incrementally as it comes out, understandably, these forms of media can't go on forever. But podcasts almost can. Not literally, I know, I know, you know what I mean. The ones that are continually released weekly or bi-weekly become things that you can really tether yourself to and can become a part of your life long term, as opposed to only being consumable in intense chunks. Binge listening of short-term podcasts happens too, of course, but in this instance, I'm thinking more of shows like Justin McElroy's My Brother, My Brother and Me, which has put an episode out nearly every week for the past 10 years. Wild. James D'Amato also noted that if people listen to both One Shot and Skyjacks every week, it's possible that they're listening to him more than they're talking with their parents. This long-term grounding has been particularly important for me because I'm at a young, transitory stage of life where things are changing a lot. And podcasts have acted as a constant to help me navigate change. For example, I was still in my intense McElroy discovery period when I was entering grad school. Instead of being stressed, I was actually pretty pumped and also unfazed. I referred to it as Olivia's chill life to my friends. And in retrospect, what? How is that possible? I don't have chill. The second strand of the Orient quote whereby podcasts can provide a better understanding of the world and yourself in relation to other people, also resonates with me. And it applies to my podcast listening, but now it is extended into creating. Like, through making a podcast and hearing how other people would interpret how podcasts serve to make ourselves feel oriented, I became more oriented. This relates back to the idea of podcasting as allowing for and facilitating conversations that you might not otherwise have had or listened to. Also, I loved the work of all of the podcasters that I spoke with and had been listening to them for a while before I talked to them for this project. So it was really gratifying to have them engage with the questions I was asking and also a bit surreal that they were able to better articulate how I felt about, well, them and their shows. At this point, podcasts haven't just oriented me, they've shaped me. Not only have my last two years been defined by thinking about and making podcasts, but listening to comedy podcasts has unleashed my laughter and particular sense of humor to an even greater extent. Somehow. Podcasts have also helped me find new hobbies, professional networks, and new friend communities. All that to say, without podcasts, my life right now would look very different. That is existential crisis territory. End note 5. Outside of the orienting question, 
There was another thread that came up a number of times throughout this project. And I think it relates to that question, or at least the purposes that podcasts can serve for us. And that's the concept of healing. This relates to what Justin McElroy said. There's something very healing and generous about the human voice. And I think that as social animals, we crave it and we need whatever that is, hearing people. And there's half of that that is the need to communicate with others. But I think that there is a just as deep need to be communicated to. And I think that what podcasts can do is give someone that feeling of like to, to be able to listen to the human voice with no expectation of you having to do any of the lifting on your end to just receive that, I think is powerful. I mean, I, I think that it can be, especially for somebody who's going through something or lonely, it can be healing. Diana Gill and Bennett agreed that healing applied to their listening. I do find podcasts very healing. I absolutely agree with what Justin has to say about that, like the sensation of just being in even a simulated conversation is, is comforting and it makes me feel better. And like, there's a reason that I fall asleep listening to podcasts and not to music or watching TV. Right. Uh, and I think that's absolutely part of it. There are certainly things about the podcasts that I've listened to for a very long time that have very actively, I think, challenged me and helped me to form myself. And I think I kind of would identify that kind of process in myself as as healing, where they've actively taken a hand in helping me grow and helping me discover ways that I can be better. Similarly, in a prior episode, Deepa described the role that podcasts play in her life. The answer to your question would be one word, therapy. I gravitate most naturally towards content that sounds very therapeutic in nature, conversations in which people's voices are very calming. And I know that the takeaway for me from that is going to be that I'm going to feel positive. To me, um, podcasts are a safe space where I can be vulnerable in that moment when I'm listening to this person and this person who's talking to me from far, like so far away or has pre-recorded this in history, um, has no connection to me and is saying these things to me, no judgment. Dustin also agreed with this framing. I mean, Deepa touched on a bit of like therapy or whatever. And while I don't listen to like therapeutic podcasts, the McElroys are kind of like my good boys who make me feel comfortable. I can't decide exactly where this word fits in relation to the ideas and frameworks we've been talking about. Is it a theme that could sit alongside my three categories of storytelling, learning and education, and companionship community? Transforming the triple Venn diagram into a quadruple one? Or is it a word that fits into all of the categories individually? Because it manifests in different ways within each of them. Or is it a word that hovers above all of these themes and categories? I think healing could also tie together everyone's different conceptions of orienting, whether in terms of filling a void, making you feel better and more grounded, or making your conception of the world and or yourself a bit more whole. I don't think I'll figure out exactly where it fits and how it applies, because Healing is an amorphous thing, and most often a really individual experience. That being said, 
I think it does also apply in a cultural sense. It might actually serve to explain one of the reasons why, culturally and individually, people have so quickly and strongly gravitated toward podcasting. In terms of people listening to podcasts and podcasts becoming embedded into their everyday lives, but also this fervent urge to create them. We see this through the sheer number of podcasts that exist out there, and that number continues to rise, and also the jokes of how everyone has a podcast and wants one. Part of this is probably because the idea of success in podcasting can be so enticing, but this cultural desire to have a podcast also maybe symbolizes that people really want and need to be heard in meaningful ways. As we've talked a bit about in previous episodes, the capabilities of the human voice are not something new. But as we've mentioned, the medium has provided another site for the voice to flourish and manifest in new and important ways. My interest in podcasting apparently has no end, and I'm really excited to continue thinking about these ideas and to see where it all goes. Yay! A note. Sex. You know what else I'm excited about? Hearing what you think about all of this. I'd love to know how you would interpret the orienting quote, especially if it's different from what we've talked about. I also want to hear your podcast pictures, a snapshot in time that is representative of how you listen to or create podcasts. I'm also curious if there's something else we've talked about in the episodes that you have thoughts about. So this is going to be a bit of an experiment, but I want to try something. If you want to tell me your thoughts, you can send me a voice memo anywhere between 30 seconds to two minutes or a written response for any and or all of these things and send it to mymasterstheses.but at gmail.com. I'll put that email in the episode description. Depending on whether or not this ends up working, I want to do an episode where I compile your responses, including voice clips and or written responses that I read out. In some of the episodes, we've talked about podcasting's ability to facilitate discussion. And I think this could function as a way to further test that out. In response to my interview with Justin McElroy, my friend Rebecca was wondering if voice notes sent into podcasts, in comparison to the written questions that are read out by the hosts, could further establish a kind of connection between host and listener. Whether the voice notes paints a better picture of the listener in the mind of the creator. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. This episode, if it happens, will be external to my official master's project. By that time, I'll have Defended, which is happening in a few weeks. So there's no definitive timeline on this one. Um, it will depend on when I get things from people. But I think it would be really cool. If you know someone who would be interested in answering this question, send them the podcast. I think that it's important that people listen to most of the episodes so that they get the context. That way, our discussions and everyone's responses are based around something, and we all have a shared reference point. And if you're considering sharing it or giving it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, thank you! I so appreciate it. Speaking of thank yous... It's time for my project gratitude section. A note. Thank yous. I want to thank everyone who agreed to do an interview. This project was entirely dependent on people being kind, saying yes, and giving me some of their precious time. I'm really grateful to them. 
Thank you to my supervisor, Jamin Pelkey, a constant source of joy and support, and one of the kindest people and mentors. Speaking of kind mentors, thank you also to Hannah Sung and Matthew O'Mara for teaching me so many things while I was at TVO. Thank you to my committee members, Colleen Durkach and Anne McLennan, and all the people who met with me to give me guidance before going into this project. Thank you to my friends who supported me throughout this process. I want to give a shout out to Mumta Manhas, who also did a podcast for her master's called Creating Third Spaces. I recommend you check it out. Also, a big shout out to Bennett, who has taken the time to talk with me about all my podcast thoughts over the past three years. And thank you to my mom and sister, who have done that times a million. And one more really important one. Thank you for listening. I kind of can't believe we made it. But we did! And with that, that's the end of this one. Now to end with the most chaotic thing I've ever created by accident. I wonder if this is too loud. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. So Ooh, hello. Okay, that was there we go. Hello. 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 Really well. Hi. I can't tell. No. Peace. Okay, I have a lot of vocal fry today. Maybe hmm. this is a problem. I'm Olivia. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not including this. That I'm boop, boop. researching you, oh, my dad. Sorry, I can't hear you. Can you blah, blah, blah. Blah.